So um, we just came back from watching Transformers, and uh, we were talking about driving on the way back because I notoriously can't drive. And I saved paperwork from it where uh, this, is, this is my actual test. And the guy, he wrote down every single thing that I got wrong. And he ran out of paper. <laughs> yeah, so you get a receipt if you pass. And basically you hand the receipt in saying, like, here, here's my receipt that I passed. Uh, but he took notes. <laughs> uh, lots of notes, actually. He was vigilant. Yeah, uh, quite the writer. But I took the test again three months later. And I scored 30 more points than... <laughs> Which is bad. I did you the- don't want points, by the way. You want as few points as possible. Uh, they had to take control of the car because I think I almost uh, hit a parked car. Cool. Which is definitely probably a no-no. Sound, speeding, camera, rolling, scene 11, take 303, mark. Welcome to Take 303, powered by 4-Way Media, the podcast with the guy who knows a lot about film. And his friend. I'm Nick Molinari. I'm J.P. Brooks. Today we're talking film, television, and today we're talking about Transformers, Rise of the Beast, and Pain and Gain. My mom asked what was the next movie we were going to talk about on the podcast, and I mentioned that we were going to see Transformers tonight. Mm -hmm. And she goes, oh, I love those movies. And I said, what? (laughs) I had no idea she was a fan. She goes, no, yeah, those are great. And then then it hit me. She loves action movies. Like, loves them, loves them, loves them. Uncharted was her film of the year. We should have had her on the pod. <laughs> nah, <laughs> let's not get crazy. So today we are talking Transformers Rise of the Beasts. It is directed by Stephen Cappell Jr. It stars Anthony Ramos and Dominique Fishback, as well as a bunch of other uh, voice actors who play the Transformers. Transformers Rise of the Beasts follows Noah, a young man from Brooklyn who's trying to find a job to help his brother with medical bills. After many failed attempts of job interviews, he goes to steal a car from a charity event that car ends up being one of the transformers named mirage after going to a meeting with the transformers by circumstance the transformers offer him money as a reward to sell one of the transformers as a car to help pray to help pay for his brother's bills all he has to do is steal an item a key that the transformers need to go home and by the way this movie is sent to 1994 it is a prequel to the other transformers transformers movies that we've seen and that's the movie minus bumblebee bumblebee takes place before this one. Oh, bumblebee takes place cool first off i gotta i gotta make this hot in here i i i'm glad you're gonna say it and not me i think we saw a good transformers movie we did i think i enjoyed that a little bit better than uh across the spider-verse <laughs> that's crazy i will not yo i you're crazy i'm never saying that <laughs> i've seen all the transformers movies have you I may be missing one or two. Bumblebee was good. Okay. And uh, the two Mark Wahlberg ones were just kind of like really all over the place. They were like Michael Bay at his Michael Bayest. Well, I now know what that means after seeing what will be our next movie, which, by the way, you need to stick around and hear what the second movie is about. Overall, I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. And I think it's expectation for me because I started getting bored of the Transformers movies, so I stopped watching them. Oh, yeah. When I saw the initial trailer... I didn't. I don't even think I watched the full trailer. Oh, I just thought it was gonna be bad. It's called Rise of the Beast, and there's like gorilla uh, transformers in it, but it slapped. Rise of the Beast, dare I say, has is a staple blockbuster summer movie that is good. Like it's a, it sets the bar. Dare I say, it's setting the bar. Yeah, and I think it's because of the expectations thing. It's, yeah. it's an interesting topic because 
I think the reason why I avoid trailers and why I, I rev- avoid reviews in general is because I feel like it taints my view of it. 100%. Like I go in with preconceived notions. Yeah, and as soon as the movie was over, I uh, reached out to my dad. My dad always wants to check in and hear how the movie went. And I told him, I was like, I think it was really good. And I I, I think whoever whoever I'm hearing reviews from, I think they got it wrong because like, it was a really good movie. I'm just going to preview. It's a three or a four for me. It's definitely not a five. So it's really, after I think after talking about this, it'll make the deciding factor for me. So what are things that stood out to you? Okay, the intro wasn't boring. I, don't know, I mean, maybe the Transformers stuff in the beginning, but they have to set the scene, so they forgive. But it was pretty quick. They didn't dwell on the Transformers stuff. And our new guy, Noah, who is the Ramos, I'm assuming. Yeah, I didn't realize when I watched the trailer that it's the guy from In the Heights, Anthony yeah. Ramos. Not every joke slaps in this movie. Not every joke is funny. But I think all of his jokes are very good. Yeah, I felt like he's definitely playing a different character than mm-hmm. Shia LaBeouf played. But I feel like we're getting that Sam Witwicky vibe back. The goofiness. And, yeah, and I think we lost that where it was too over the top in the Mark Wahlberg movies. They were trying to like dial it up with characters like we really didn't care about. It. And this one, we actually did care about this one. And I think this is actually going to be a little a bias for us. He is from Brooklyn, and he talks like a Brooklynite. Yeah, I mean, he sounds like he's from Brooklyn. Both of the main characters, him and the girl, are from Brooklyn. Yeah, and I think they hold the Brooklyn vibe down very well. I think he does it. He does it really well. Um, so, so I think we relate more. And it's so funny we've been having a lot of Brooklyn movies because we go to this. <laughs> The reason I don't go to movies when they premiere, like un- until this podcast, I would wait weeks before I see anything because I hate being in the theater with people, especially no offense, Brooklyn, but you guys, we know we suck. We make great moments, but we also just make, I had 10 people walk by my screen 300 times. Uh, yeah, the guys in front of us were like, <sighs> yeah, it's so annoying. Then we had, you know, I, I had a lady making commentary during the movie the whole time. So you disappoint, but the movie was still good regardless. The scenes were a little bit formulaic. I've seen enough Transformers movies to know the cookie cutter process of, you know, what they put in there. There's the Optimus narration. There's all these different things that make it a Transformers movie. The only thing that didn't make it a Transformers movie was the cinematography. Um, I'm so used to Michael Bay's style with the low angles and the, the flashing lights and all this stuff like that. I think I missed a little bit of that just because I'm, I'm used to seeing that. But I, I, it still held its own without it. The likability of the characters, the fact that there weren't too many characters mm. actually helped because I think what bogged down the later movies is that they were trying to recreate what they did in the first movie where you had Shia LaBeouf and his family and then you had the army guys and then you had the, the Autobots. You had all these three different or four different groups of people and they would all converge towards the end of the movie and they're all you know trying to achieve the same goal and in the later movies they did that but with like i think twice the amount of actors the guy that he's working with um he fades out of the movie yeah and i think in the later transformers movies if that character existed he would have been in like 70 percent of the scenes and he would be cracking jokes all the time and we would have been just over him by like his third or fourth appearance where in this one we were actually like i was excited when he showed up again because i was like this guy over here yeah he kind of carried that opening scene you kind of know where things are gonna go not always i think i there were some decent surprises for me definitely the end for sure 
the characters did a good job. Yeah. Who, like, who I, do you think uh, takes the spotlight in this one? I mean, it has to be Noah Ramos. I think Elena is a great co-star. I also like that they didn't make that a romantic relationship. Yeah, I was thinking that during the movie too. Hundred percent. So glad it's not romantic. It's comforting. We're in this together, sort of thing. And at the end, just the slight that she puts her head on his shoulder doesn't feel romantic. Just like, thank God it's over. Thanks for helping me get through this. I like that she's got her own skills and assets. He's got his own skills and assets. It really feels like they're working together. So that's something that we can credit for not having Michael Bay involved is that the girl actually is useful and mm-hmm. not just, you know, a piece to add on to the guy role. She's a good female lead. I really like her. I I, I can't dare I say I can't wait for the second movie. But what um didn't work for you in this movie? Some of the jokes didn't land. It was a little bit too much. Uh, some of the dialogue, of course, it's I don't expect the writing to be that great. Saying the obvious when things are happening, as always. Exposition. We love it. Heavy exposition. Heavy telling, not showing. Just the regular sort of what I expect from Transformers. You know, just something happens. How'd you, uh, how'd you feel about the CGI? I don't know, Nick. You tell me. It was a very leading question. I don't think it was up to par with its earlier films. Interesting. I thought it was good. I thought it was decent. Well, decent, I should say. Comparing what we saw in this movie to like the first time we saw optimus transform oh yeah oh, okay i see what you mean like Maybe. when when they put the robot on on his arm yeah yeah or when he's just in the suit it looks a little weird but yeah because iron man looked better than that oh yeah because it's basically the transformer iron man suit but not as good pete davidson was good in the beginning as i liked pete davidson i didn't think i was gonna like him uh because as, soon, be as soon as he transformed i heard the voice and i i nudged you and i was like p davidson i don't like the hawk for whatever reason do you like the hawk i don't like the hawk i didn't like the fact that um i don't like when they change things in a prequel and then it doesn't show up in like the original series yeah like how in this one you have like animal like robots and then also Pete Davidson's car transforms into a much larger vehicle. And I'm pretty sure that's against the rules of Transformers. That you have to turn into something of like size. Yes. I did not like the car. Well, I mean, it was funny because it worked, but I did not like it. He got massive. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah and then um, a problem with Transformers 2 that uh, people had was uh, the girl when they transform into uh, basically like a Terminator in that sense and this one you have kind of the same situation where we had no idea that the the robot the transformers can turn into robots for people yeah it just kind of happens and so they could do something in 1994 but in 20 whatever it's yeah like i think shia labeouf could have used that at some point Uh, a few times also i think something that's unavoidable in transformers movies and i i think they're in all of them is that there's always something there's some uh, object that all the Transformers are uh, looking for, whether it's the AllSpark, the Matrix, this time it's the key, and then it's just like a all-powerful object that can change their universe, and then there's a sky beam. We, we love the sky beams. <laughs> it's been a while. So when you, when you say it's like, yeah, they're always looking for a thing. But the problem that they run into is stakes, yeah. because... We already know going into this 
Optimus can't die. Bumblebee can't die. We know that for a fact. So it's just new characters who can't, yeah. So new characters are expendable, and you would think that they would die because then where the hell are they when all the Shia LaBeouf and Mark Wahlberg stuff happens? Yeah. It's going to be tough because, like, I think about Rogue One, my favorite Star Wars film. I don't care what anyone says. It's the best Star Wars film ever made. Go. I don't think anyone's disagreeing with you, but, yeah. There are, I find lots of people, oh, the originals. Bro, screw the originals, all right? How about that? Uh, go watch Rogue One, the greatest Star Wars story ever told. Um, so, yeah, because they're... Even though you kind of know they're all going to die in the end of that one. By the way, spoiler alert if you haven't watched them. You're weird. Um, but they got to do. They got to figure something out like that. What happens is, a, we won't spoil it, but one of the characters is presumed dead towards the end of the movie. And it's one of the new characters. And we're like, oh, that sucks. And then right at the end, boom, they're back. Yeah. And actually, one character in the beginning that you is dies, but you know has to come back. At least kept me like, I wonder how they're going to do this. So, at least that was somewhat interesting. So, I think knowing the end or knowing where things are going to go sometimes is interesting if you can try to figure it out. And then other times it's annoying if it gives away too much. So, it's got to be done right. I didn't mind it too much because I, you know what's going to happen. But how is sometimes fun. I had theories about Noah's character and his future because I was like, this is a prequel. And it's technically the first uh movie it's, it's weird it's a sequel to the prequel so i'm like you know will they talk about what happened in the prequel in the sequel if you're following this train of logic you might have liked fast x um but what i'm saying is like do we get uh any you know information on these characters that we built in these earlier movies that yeah. don't show up in the new ones like if they don't die in the in the prequel that's what i'm saying so mm. like where is the girl from Bumblebee and where does Anthony Ramos's character come in when Shia LaBeouf is doing his thing and Mark Wahlberg is doing his thing? And when I heard that he was a soldier in the beginning, I was trying to think to myself and I was thinking 1994 to 2007, I was like, could he be one of the soldiers that's with Shia LaBeouf in the, in the beginning? Like he's one of Josh Duhamel's uh, guys. I would love if at the, after the prequels are over to sort of tease and hype up the next one. They sort of have an older version of one of the characters from the original meet an older version of one of the characters from the prequel and be like, we've got a problem. It's it funny cuts. how we uh, we trashed the last two movies for doing exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're just looking for our Tokyo Drift ending where... Uh, uh, Noah meets uh, Sam Witwicky. Sometimes coming back full circle is always a little cheesy, but we start and end the movie the same way. Noah's still looking for a job, but he's not the same guy because of what happened. And cheesiness aside, if you're walking into Transformers 7 and you're expecting Oscar-level writing here, you're not going to get no. that. But what you will get is a very competent blockbuster, and I think it stand, it's, you know, stands on its own. I think it's one of probably the better Transformers in the series um i know you haven't seen all of them but we could rank them right now if if at least the ones you do know so transformers movies from worst to best the last night age of extinction bumblebee revenge of the fallen rise of the beasts dark of the moon and transformers one interesting so i've seen everything that you just mentioned except for last night and bumblebee not counting last night and bumblebee because i haven't seen those i'll put at number five, Transformers Age of Extinction. At number four, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. At number three, 
Transformers Dark Side of the Moon, or Dark of the Moon. Then at number two, Transformers Rise of the Beast, and then the original Transformers being the best. And yeah, I'm putting Rise of the Beast because I just, I had a good time. I think it made me, re- reminded me of why I like the first one so much. Seemed like a clean slate kind of situation. Mm-hmm. We do have some returning characters, but I feel like it tried to do something on its own. And there's a lot of fresh material in this. We're not going to talk specifically about the ending. Oh, yeah. No way. You got to go see it. You have to see it to believe it. Um, If you're going to go see this movie for anything, it would be the ending. Because, oof, you think you know where this scene is going. And they hide the, 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 the most important information the very last second of the movie it's the last yeah it's the last uh scene or um, last shot last shot last frame the last second of this movie is absolutely insane and we did not see it coming at all i looked at you and i was like that's a bold move cotton (laughs) like whoo but did it pay off i was just kind of like okay (laughs) sure a pure p davidson uh reaction (laughs) okay uh, no, just more like, uh-huh. I was very surprised. I'm just like, all right, I mean, it's dudes. I mean, I think I can say this. You can cut it out if you want. But Ratings and review. Uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go, I'll go first for this one. I think Transformers Rise of the Beast is a nice return for the franchise. Clean slate, you said it, so I'm going to steal it. It's a clean slate. It's a great summer blockbuster. It's a good summer blockbuster. It's solid. Um, I think people, you will enjoy this film. I think you're going to have a great time. Sometimes you don't need complicated plot. You don't need complicated writing. Sometimes you just need solid characters who you care about, who get to a resolution, and people you want to root for, and pretty good CGI. I think that all being said, it's a three or four. I'm not, you know what? No, I'm not going to just because I rate something. No, it's a four. I think this movie's a four. Sometimes you don't need great writing. And I think it all has to do with your expectations. In reality, it's probably a three, but I'm going to give it a four. I think I had a blast. The guys we met outside the theater also had a blast. Yes, they did. Honestly, I feel like I would have wanted to sit next to those guys in the theater. And I'll quote them. It was fucking fire. (laughs) It was just a fun movie. Turn off your brain, but it still had a lot of heart to it. It is a great, I'm going to say it's a great blockbuster. And I'll reiterate, I had more fun watching that than I did across the Spider-Verse. And I'm going to give it a four out of five. Yeah. So what'd you think of the movie? Guys, love to hear it. But uh, Nick, what is it a good time for? A commercial break. And afterwards, we will be talking about Michael Bay's Pain and Gain. Everybody claims that they have the secrets, and they've got something special, hidden knowledge, to share with you. Well, I'm here to tell you that I have mastered the art of the masterclass. The masterclass of masterclasses. I have five hidden, absolutely gold nuggets of information that you can't get anywhere else. 
I've watched from chess to streaming, photography, fly fishing, shoe tying. I have all the answers. If you just give me $15,000 in my eight week, eight minute course program, I guarantee you will leave a different person and you will be able, I will train you in absolutely nothing. I'm going to sell you how to sell other things rather than actually selling you something and start wondering why you signed up. If you pay an extra $2,000 on your order today, we will tell you the secret to the secret, which is less than nothing. We will tell you how to make secrets seem secretive. This podcast is powered and sponsored by Fort Way Media, where they take everyday life and turn it into a cinematic experience. Maybe you have a wedding, an event coming up, a special day, or you want your business to be advertised better on social media. Fort Way Media is the answer for you. Book an appointment today so that you can book an appointment today so that you don't have to miss another great moment. And we're back and we're talking 2013's Pain and Gain, directed by Michael Bay, starring Mark Wahlberg, Dwayne Johnson, Anthony Mackie, Tony Shalhoub, Ed Harris, and Rebel Wilson. Mark Wahlberg plays Danny Lugo in Michael Bay's Pain and Gain, a man obsessed with fitness. He's a personal trainer who wants to live the American dream. After going to a self-help seminar where he realized that he's a doer, not a donter, he gets his fellow workout buddies to rob and steal from one of his clients as a personal trainer. After some wackiness and putting the plan together, it is clear they are amateurs and things go, things get interesting. And I don't want to say more than that. So Nick, I got to tell you, uh, so I've got a question for you about this movie, Pain and Gain. Is this movie a parody? And I purposely didn't... I did not read anything about it afterwards. I told you explicitly not to watch this trailer. Yeah, I didn't want... Didn't... Went into it blind, and I still have not read a single thing about it. I think this movie's a parody, whether it wants to be or not. So is it a parody? Is it intentional parody? It is very satirical. It is. A lot of the writing is over the top on purpose, mainly because this actually is a true story. Okay, so this is ba- so that wasn't a joke either. It really was. Yeah, yeah. So they weren't trying to like make up. That would actually have been funny if it was made up and it was like this is a true story. But no, this is actually a true story. So they they just leaned into the fact that they did a story about a bunch of idiot bodybuilders who thought they could rob a guy by having him sign away all of his all of his money. Yeah. <laughs> what did it say? Sometimes the the craziest stories are the true ones. I think that's like a quote in this movie. Yeah, it's a wild story. Can't believe that it's true, but uh, the movie is so over the top, and I think it lost me in about twenty minutes. Like, okay, I'm already done with this movie. The voiceovers that the first fifty percent of this movie is all voiced over exposition, but it's it's done so much. I begin to just accept it. Literally, like. It's the character. It's not the style of the movie. It's the character. Yeah. Because this movie is all about, like, fantasy in their head almost. And so hearing how they think and talk really gives you a perception as to their actions. Just to paint you guys a picture, Mark Wahlberg's character, he says three of his all-time heroes. And he names three movie characters. He's like uh, the the guy from The Godfather, the Scarface. And he's going on about all these characters that don't exist they're not real people but those are his heroes yeah so that paints you a picture of who this guy kind of is 
and who his uh, associates are. And everybody on his team has their own faults where they, they're all kind of like stupid. And that's that's the beauty of the movie. It feels like Joe Pesci and the gang are trying to rob someone. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what it feels like. So the problem is it's parroting, well, it's parroting Michael Bay, right? Like all the slowdown, yeah. the close-ups, the, the weird angles. There's never a straight angle in this movie, which, by the way, Rise of the Beast actually had some straight angles, which I was very happy with. I'm used to my slanted uh, low angles from yeah. Michael. It's not particular. I was trying to figure out what genre this fits in this morning because I was re-watching it. And I wouldn't call it an action movie. Action comedy. But could you? Is there a lot of action in this movie? If you really think about it, maybe just some chases. But other than that, there's not a lot is of action. Is it a action. comedy heist movie? So I think uh, looking at Wikipedia, I think they listed it as an action movie. But I wouldn't consider it action. And then if you think of hmm. Michael Bay's filmography, you have The Rock. You have the Transformers trilogy plus and then some Armageddon. You have Pearl Harbor. This doesn't fit in with his movies. The closest thing to this movie is probably Bad Boys. And I liked the attention to characters. Yeah, this movie is sold by the characters and the acting. Everything else is pretty bad, but this the- is... The, the main trio in the movie, uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg, The Rock. The Rock playing a much different character than he's used to in the last few years. And this is this is right after, like, Fast Five. Okay. So he's kind of, like, already in his rhythm of playing just, like, the hero of every movie. Yeah. And seeing him play the exact opposite yeah. was really nice. And Anthony Mackie being the third and final. And Anthony Mackie uh, also playing uh, another over-the-top bodybuilder out of his element a little bit too because I'm used to seeing him as the Falcon and also uh, against Eminem in a rap battle. Yeah, and I feel like he's always playing us. He usually, when he plays characters, feel like they have a good amount of intelligence and to see him play someone who is not That's what I'm saying. He's playing out of character. Yeah. It's an interesting movie. I stayed for the trio, but I was uninterested in everything else pretty much. Yeah. Were there any uh, standout scenes to you? I mean, the whole sequence of them trying to first grab the guy, I think is just so funny and comical. (laughs) Um, And then especially them trying to cover up the second. Like, just basically them trying to commit these crimes is the funniest thing on the planet. The scene where they accidentally murder the second couple and Mark Wahlberg is like, I got to take care of this, but first I got to get a pump in. And then The Rock is like fully just on the same page. It's like, yeah, get it, get it. (laughs) If it's following the same formula, I feel like it's a parody kind of comedy take on Goodfellas in a sense. Like if you think about that movie, Wolf of Wall Street, a lot of the movies where there's a gangster on the rise the first hour or so hour and a half is about them rising into the power and getting that cool position that they wanted like at the beginning of goodfellas he's like as far back as her as i remember i always wanted to be a gangster Mm. and in this one mark Wahlberg's character is like my name is daniel lugo and i believe in fitness like they say like their motto of like where they go and like he's always saying things like uh motivational things to saying like i'm a doer and this is where i'm gonna go and i 
believe in the American dream and I believe I should have these things. And I have a three-step plan. Right. A lot of those movies also end up Scarface. Uh, they end up, you know, getting high on their own supply and they overdo it. And excess, a lot of those movies are about excess and how they do too much, uh, either whether it's drugs or uh, money, and they overindulge in their in their lifestyles, and it's never enough because it was never about that. It was about the lifestyle. Yeah, and it's so crazy. I, the only person who I have a question of, and maybe you can answer it for me. I understand what all their excess is. The Rock is coke, right? Clearly, it's drugs. Anthony Mackie, steroids, getting buff, looking fit. Is Wahlberg's the American dream? Like, what's his? What does he get high off of? Yeah, so his was a little bit more complicated because he gives up his girl. He has no intention of doing drugs. He is very content with his body and and that. But he just wanted that higher lifestyle. So he wanted the American dream. He wanted the big house. He wanted to be mowing his lawn. It was very an idealized kind of sense. So there's there's a theme running through the movie of what the American dream is and what you have to do to actually work for that. Because if you think of his character... He is a bodybuilder. Uh, he is a he's a personal trainer. Uh, you don't get like that by doing nothing. You have to work for it. That in order to get this dream, you have to steal it and take it from someone else who worked for it because you think you deserve it. That's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, a, a guy who's worked so hard for his own body that you can't get any other way. And then to also basically make everybody else in the group do the awful things. It is it's because his character is an idiot and yeah. there's so many characters in the movie that tell him that to his face that oh we know that you have the right heart but you don't have the brains for this and he is always getting enraged oh going on with the idiot thing sorry to cut you off no it's like he recruits the kids in the neighborhood and so for everybody else to think he's smart and like these safe protection things so people to like him clearly narcissist you know ego thing who is the strongest of the trio it's The Rock. Why? I believe him. He really, he's selling this character so hard to me. And this is all close. Like, obviously, Wahlberg sells each, like, each character is sold perfectly. Wahlberg's doing a good job. Mackie's doing a great job. It's so hard to choose. You're just saying that one is going just a little bit more yeah. above and beyond. And I, I think what's doing it for me with The Rock is because... I think sometimes when people play stupid characters, they overdo it. And for whatever reason with him, it, I really, but like, it's not his illogical thought process makes sense. Like it's the, the illogical aspect is so consistent that it's logical in his mind. And I believe it. Whereas like maybe Wahlberg and Mackie, it's so clear what the problem is. But The Rock, like, you're also kind of... He's more of a sympathetic character, so I think we all relate a little bit more. He is trying to be this decent man. He found God, and he's trying to do all these good things. At the same time, he has an addiction problem. And I think that's what cancels it out, because even though technically it is his fault, it's when he's high that now he's doing these horrible things. So I think it's... it's he doesn't want to do those things and he speaks a lot about sobriety so i think it's the indulgement of that being sucked into the lifestyle so i think it's a reluctance on his part not that he's not guilty he definitely did a lot of really bad things but what i'm saying is that i feel like his character was the one out of the trio 
who didn't originally set out on doing these things. Mm. And Wahlberg feels like Wahlberg, but this does not feel dialed like... up. Yeah, dialed up to the max, like crazy. But The Rock doesn't feel like The Rock here. He really does feel like somebody else, and that's probably why I give it to him. What do you think was the most surprising scene in the movie to you? I was kind of surprised when he just beat the shit out of that guy. Like, I knew it was possible and that it could happen, but... Like, you know it's going to go bad. I guess you don't... Where I mean, where else could it go? But it's still a little like, oh my god, this guy is really unhinged. I think that's when I... I don't think you're... You stop rooting for Mark Wahlberg's character after a while. I think the scene that made me laugh out loud the most was them returning the chainsaw. <laughs> I forgot about that. Or when Rebel Wilson, by the way, she's in this movie, Rebel Wilson, uh, she marries Mackie's character. Uh, the cutouting of the carpets. Like, I'll never forget that shot for the rest of my life. <laughs> Just the it, way the carpets cut out. It really makes you, like, appreciate Pulp Fiction and how, like, they called the wolf. When Mark Wahlberg is pulling the barbecue back in, because what the f- what the fuck are you doing? He goes, it was getting smoky. I didn't like it. <laughs> it's so sick. Like, oh, it's so sick. Like that's so messed up. He's burning hands outside. Dwayne the Rock Johnson is like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like all that smoke. And meanwhile, there's a dead body hanging in an oil drum. For reference, in this scene, they accidentally murdered two people, and in order to get rid of their fingerprints, they were like, let's wipe down the bodies, and then somebody brings up the idea, it was like, oh, what about the body's fingerprints? And it was like, we have to burn them all. So they leave the warehouse, and then The Rock just decides to, like, put the severed limbs on the barbecue outside their their secret, like, getaway house. Yeah. And he's just chilling on the sidewalk just with the tongs and he's flipping them over. <laughs> it's like he's really grilling. It's so funny. And I grill a lot. So just to see him just like being a dad, just sort of, uh, kids are coming. I got to get these ready. <laughs> like, and doesn't he like wave to somebody while yeah, he's Yeah, he waves grilling? to the neighbor. <laughs> I lost it at that point. I think he like like throws her a wink or something like that. Yeah, like he definitely like, could you imagine grilling a human being's hands and you're just Hey, neighbor, how's it going, man? Hot weather, huh? Final thoughts and ratings? I'll let you take this one. I'll let you take this one first. So. Oh, no. I I, a- bro, why are you smiling? Every time you smile before your rating, I get upset. What are you What are you doing? <laughs> so I had a lot of fun with this movie. I know you did. I know it does have its problems. Um, but I feel like there's something about the experience of watching a movie and how you enjoy mm-hmm. that. I told you, you know, I can watch straight up trash and an elegant masterpiece give them the same rating no problem because they both entertain me pain and gain i think cinematography wise it is really cool it's a cool looking movie Mm -hmm. it is dialed up michael bay is michael bay dialed up really high i think the performances of the trio are really great i think the character work between the three the chemistry works really nicely i think the comedy is hysterical at the end of the day, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. Bro, I really thought you were going for a 5. That's why the whole time you're talking, I'm making faces at you. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm listening. I let you in there, yeah. Um, It's between a 2 or a 3 for me. I've kind of already said everything. I don't think I need to repeat anything you've said because I think you nailed it. I'm. Ne- uh, this is the one time where I wish we could do the half ratings. 
Because it genuinely feels two is too harsh, three is way too generous, and it's the perfect two and a half, but I have to be fair. I'm going to give a point for each of the main characters and just give it a three. I don't have to think hard about this. It's a lower three. It's probably the least three I could give <laughs> to all of these movies. Like, if you look at all the movies in a three, this is on the lower end of the threes, but it's a three. I think the comedy carries it. I think you will enjoy this movie for a good chunk of it. And I swear, yeah, I think a three is fair. I think a two, I would be too harsh because that would be too much of a critic and a snob. All right, so this was a longer episode. Hopefully you stayed along for the whole ride. Next week, we will be talking about The Flash. And we'll be having a special guest for that. So we'll be doing The Flash and we, what else? What are we pairing with it? Tenant. And Tenant. Flash Tenant. I haven't seen The Tenant. Looking forward to it. This week's poll question is, what is your favorite Transformers movie? If we can get all seven options up there, we will. If not, we're just going to put the good ones. So, yeah, what is your favorite Transformer movie? And finally, our question of the week is, who is your favorite movie character that you kind of look up to in the way that Mark Wahlberg's character looks up to his different movie characters in Pain and Gain? What movie character do you idolize? Who do you look up to? Who's your role model? This has been an episode of Take 303, powered by Fort Wayne Media. Have a good one.